I think we're alone now. But wait, <laughs> is it is, is that a good thing? Like should we be working on our own or should we be working together? Both? Is that a thing? Both? I mean, God, I hope so. You know, I think it's a thing. Yeah. It I, is a thing. I feel, so we talked about this as a as a theme for an episode, isolation versus collaboration. The, the whole, it's a big, big pile of topic. Um, and, and, you know, I was really trying to think of like, what's my conclusion? You know, like, how do I feel about this? And, uh, and I, I do not fall in one camp or the other. I'm definitely not squarely, uh, an isolated process or a collaborative process person. Uh, I feel like it's kind of a yin yang balance to me, but I know that there are a lot of people who would say otherwise. In, yeah. You know, I, I'm with you. I think I think it probably really depends on what sort of work you're doing. Yeah. And you know, there's certainly some some deep mental work that some people do, some researchers that probably make sense to be doing a good amount of on your own. But at the same time, you know, you have you have the the deep thinkers like the the Newtons and Einsteins of the world who have spent a lot of time doing most of their work in isolation. However, you could say that that has to have been somewhat collaborative because they spent a lot of time reading research papers from other people that they're basing their ideas on. Yeah, so, absolutely. you know, if, even if they're not in person with their collaborators, there are definitely ideas kind of being brainstormed by other people. So it's somewhat collaborative, even in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, the, um, the, the sort of myth of the totally isolated uh, artist, you know, um, the recluse, I think, uh, I, I was looking into this a little bit cause I was kind of, where did this even come from? I mean, we can't go back to cave painting and stuff, but we can, we can try to look through history and say, when did this become a thing? And it, it really seems to have not been a thing until the Renaissance. And one of the sort of popular views on where the, the artist as recluse came from was when the plagues were spreading, um, people were f leaving the city to go be on farms and, you know, hold up in rooms in monasteries and things like that, if they could, uh, in order to survive. And, you know, because of the times we're living in now and have been for the last couple of years with COVID and self and, you know, and, an imposed isolation, uh, there's a lot of hearkening back to this. Um, feels kind of like plaguey Renaissance kind of vibe. Right. And a lot of people started saying, oh, you know, these painters, these poets, these writers um, are going out into isolation and then producing these brilliant works of art. And so therefore, artists are recluses. And that's reality. But, you know, I feel like that's just absolutely born of myth. It's, it's a huge misunderstanding, and I think it's actually done a terrible disservice to a lot of, a lot of creatives um, because they feel like they have to do that in order to kind of live up to 
the self-imposed, you know, I kind of, if I'm not, if I'm not incapable of working with other people, if I'm not cutting my own ear off in a village in France, then, you know, am I any good? And, right. and I think that the, you know, seeking out collaboration is the antidote to that. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, some, uh, one thought that I had run across uh, kind of in prepping for this was the idea that, that there is a certain amount of genius that you could potentially access by spending a lot of time by yourself. You know, the isolation is a really great place to come up with the invention of things. Again, there might be yeah, a collaborative yeah, yeah. aspect because you're actually in an idea sex form, like we talked about before, like actually having time to mash multiple ideas together, which may or may not actually have come from you yourself. But that that invention process often can be a very isolated thing. Yeah. But in order to make that invention become a reality and to be able to take action and execute on this, it often has to be collaborative. You know, you like, you need other people to bring that stuff to life. You know, a great example would be, you know, the genius of Michael Jackson would never have become <laughs> what it is to everyone without Quincy Jones. Right. Yeah. You know, like, you know, the production of a lot of that or, George um, Martin. yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> and the like, Beatles. Yeah. exactly. Or Steve jobs, you know, without, uh, Steve Wozniak, you know, like that, that's both of those people would have probably been very successful in their fields, yeah. but would have never by themselves created what they ended up creating together. Yeah. So I, I read a, uh, uh, this kind of like, uh, uh, that's a good jumping off point for this, this concept, but you know, that there's, uh, you read a lot and hear a lot about the four stages of creation that, and, and I mean, this is one of those, well, duh observations, but all creations come out of uh, the same four essential stages, which, you know, the first is the conceptualization, which this gets into whether you're trying to do it all by yourself or in collaboration with others. But that's, that's writing, uh, arranging, coming up with the concept. If it's dance, it's body movements, it's, you know, what's the, what is the big picture that you're trying to do? Stage two is the performance of that. So you get the idea and then you have to actually make it into a thing. Stage three is the recording of that, which would be uh, a score for a symphony or an album for a band or, um, you know, the actual painting for a painter, you know, that kind of thing. Um, maybe the manuscript if you're a, if you're a novelist and then stage four is the dissemination. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, how do you take the thing that you've created and make it available to other people? And, for every kind of creative, those are sort of the four stages that you that you're going through. And I think there's a solid argument that you really can't ever, I mean, COVID has put this to the test hard <laughs> of how much of each of those four stages can you do completely by yourself? You know, sure. you're, you have your laptop and you're sitting in your room and you're making, you know, a beat and then you're rapping over it and then you're recording it and you know whatever your process is maybe then you upload it to Bandcamp okay you did everything totally by yourself that would be a to completely isolated artist but if you worked with anyone else and they colored it at all you know I mean people don't give nearly enough credit to producers in my opinion I, I, I think right. you know I mean 
hearing the idea played on a ukulele and and in your mind saying that is going to be on a piano that's what a producer does and and people don't thank them or credit them nearly to the degree they should yeah absolutely i think that you know even you know as you said even if you are able to take a lot of those steps by yourself especially for most of us with a lot of the things we're involved with when it reaches that dissemination phase that fourth phase that's a really tough thing for many of us to do with great success without involving other people yeah for sure like you can throw it on Bandcamp, and lots of people do and you might have some sales and maybe you'll get really fortunate and have a lot of success there but in order to not just use a platform like that and you know like cast that net way wider you're probably going to need a bunch of other input you know maybe you need a pr agency maybe you need you know a, a distributor who's you know passing it oh, to different yeah. places or, or pitching it to movies or things like that and yeah i think that's really important yeah uh, they're definitely they're definitely you know pros and cons you know to both i was kind of making a list of what i think of as just some pros from either for either side the collaboration side or the isolation side and for the on the collaboration side some of the the benefits or pros that i think are really obvious are just the idea of brainstorming you know two heads are better than one you're gonna when you and i and dave get in a room together and start knocking ideas around yeah we're going to come up with ideas you're going to pass some idea to me that i wouldn't have thought about doing and you know hopefully vice versa um and you know if it's if it is collaborative work rather than just collaborative brainstorming i think a lot more can get done and you know what i mean by that is like it's one thing to sit down and all try to come up with ideas together and you might be able to come up with a bunch of ideas but in many teams that ends up still coming back to one person later having to execute all those ideas and you know and like that that can only What's get you so like? far <laughs> <laughs> but but if you're able to come up with those ideas and then split up duties and tasks yeah, yeah. and everybody goes different directions well, you know then that group's going to be able to get way more done yeah an and also if you're working in collaboration with people whose ideas you value, you know, if you can kind of divorce the ego a little bit and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot more fun to show a great guitar player your idea and then have them make it actually really good, you know, right. and they might say, well, I would never have thought of that. I would never have put these chords and that melody together. So I'm glad I'm working with you. And then you can say, well, I can't play guitar like that. So I, thanks for taking my kind of ham-fisted idea and making it into something really lovely, you know, and that's, that's the Lennon-McCartney thing, you know, is that you, you're perfectly capable on your own, you know, both right. very talented songwriters who can write and compose clearly really well alone. But when they actually beat their heads together and turn out Beatles hits, it's, you know, that's the magic. Right. Yeah. You know, like Roger Waters and David Gilmore, yep. you know, what, what they created together was definitely, you know, completely different than, yeah. or, you know, or, you know, even though you the know, ego wasn't really ever than... taken out of that. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. Good point. Uh, another, another benefit of the collaborative work is just the accountability factor. You and I've chatted in the past about, you know, forced deadlines. And yeah. when you're working with yeah. someone else that can often be something that's imposed, you, you know, yeah. that you have to be Somebody showing has progress to put your feet to the fire. If you won't do it yourself. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, like further the, 
the collaborative work can be really great for the extrovert. Yeah. You know, while, you know, switching to like some of the pros of isolation, like a lot of introverts would immediately say, yes, that's where I would much rather be spending my time all by myself, yeah. uh, you know, getting away from everybody. And you're able to, in that case with the isolation, be able to probably get more into the deep work phase and focus without distractions than yeah. you're able to if you're bouncing ideas off a bunch of people all the time. And you also avoid those situations where there are too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, all of a sudden yeah. the, the focus is being diluted a bunch of directions because you're not able to just sit down on your own. So definitely some benefits to both, but you know, mentioning both that, you know, as we started the episode with you, you kind of threw that word out there, you know, what about doing both? And um, there was a Harvard study that I had run across that introduced this idea of intermittent collaboration Oh yeah, that I thought was cool. And when I thought about it, I actually thought about it being the way that you and I work together quite a bit. Like I would say, oh yeah, we, we collaborate. But in all honesty, you and I will bounce some ideas back and forth and then we each disappear and kind of yeah. like, you know, deal with the, you know, kind of work on those Digest ideas ourselves and ferment. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And, and then we come back together and we throw those ideas back and forth, whether it's via the podcast, whether it's music that we're bouncing back and forth. And I think that both sides of that are really important. You know, yeah. I need to get together with you and kind of hear your thoughts and hear how you would change a part that I threw at you. But then I really need to just disappear into the studio by myself and go down that rabbit hole and experiment with some things and go, ah, oh, I wonder what he'd think of this. Yeah. And oh, this now, now that gives me this idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, I very much prefer uh, playing instruments in a, in a collaborative, you know, live, like everybody playing at the same time. Um, that's my favorite way to record, but vocals, man, I, I gotta, I gotta have no one around. It's a totally isolated, solitary thing. It's, yeah. It's strange. Yeah, no, I, you know, that's, that's a luxury that I as a drummer have historically not had up until recently, you know, the last couple of years, because I, I've never really been in a situation where I've gotten to record the parts on my own. There's always somebody there and you feel the pressure to yeah, you're nail kind of looking over your shoulder. Exactly. So it, it's easy to get into a situation, whether, whether you're on somebody's dime and somebody's paying for a producer and studio time and an engineer or not having that person looking over your shoulder is it makes it really tempting to just play really safe and get something done yes. that is solid and yes. get out the door because somebody else is waiting to do their thing or whatever. And in the last couple of years, having the home studio, just like you being able to spend time going over a vocal part, you know, ad nauseum, you know, until you know that you've gotten exactly what you want. I'm now able to do that on the drum side, which allows me to be able to come up with way more creative things, or at least maybe I, it's not that I even come up with more creative things, but I take the time to actually develop those ideas where I wouldn't if someone else is sitting right there. Yeah, this was so you're you're bringing me to one of the observations that I kind of jotted down as I was thinking about this, and it's that um, the to in my opinion the primary benefit of isolation is that isolation removes external judgment. So the only judgment left is internal. So one of the reasons that I think this myth of the recluse uh, isolated artist exists and, and, uh, and continues to exist is because most artists, I think, um, feel freer 
when they're completely alone because there is no judgment other than their own. So you're the only arbiter of whether what you're doing has validity or carries emotional weight. Nobody is looking at you and saying, well, no, I wouldn't do it that way, you know. And the benefit of collaboration is that you don't any longer have the only voice <laughs> that's deciding whether something should be that particular way or not. There are other voices that are pitching in. So, uh, you know, that's, I think the reason I said both at the top of the episode is because I think you actually, uh, most people require some degree of that isolation to get rid of all the outside voices in order to feel like what they have is a good starting point or even a good finished point, uh, depending on what you're creating. But the reason to get away from that isolation and to welcome in the other voices is so that you have some, uh, some something other than your own. That sometimes just, right. you know, I mean, yeah, Michael Jackson's great and all, well, yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> but Quincy Jones was, you know, the capable adult in the room who could say, okay, you know, let's use this mic. Let's do it this way. You know, let's try that again, you know, and not just let him go. You're the king of pop, do whatever you want, you know? Um, exactly. Yeah. I, you know, it's, as I was thinking about this, I feel that the real, to me, that the big difference between the collab versus isolation is that the isolation work, isolated work allows for depth whereas the collaborative work allows for breadth or width in the that's ideas. That's a great in, way to, yeah. Yeah. That's and, a, you know, to yeah. me, it's, it starts to take things both ways. And, and many of us need a little bit of both. You know, yeah. it's like, it's great to, you know, go deep and, you know, block out the distractions and, you know, get that super focused work. But it is easy to just go down one tunnel, which sometimes you need to for a while. But yeah. as soon as you bring other people in, all of a sudden, you know, that hole gets bigger, you know, and there's a lot more to draw from in there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, yeah, yeah. You can really go down a rabbit hole if you don't have somebody there to kind of like spread it out a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I read um, a study that was in, what is it, uh, Frontiers in Psychology. Um, and this was used to, some information from a Stanford study. Um, and they were interviewing a bunch of uh, musicians, specifically musicians, um, during the pandemic. And they wanted to know whether uh, COVID had increased or decreased uh, collaboration versus isolation as a creative platform. And to make a long story short and um, wildly paraphrase uh, what they found. Um, they found that uh, creative extroverts, people who were more prone to collaboration and who liked the social uh, interaction of it all, um, ended up through technology collaborating more than they used to. So COVID actually forced creative extroverts into more collaboration than they did and creative introverts who were uncomfortable uh, with collaboration tended to create less and less and less through COVID with other people. And, um, you know, I, I found that kind of fascinating that COVID really acted like a filter 
and sort of turned up collaboration among people. So, you know, people who did a lot of live streaming and a lot of online recording were already collaborative, you know, creators. And people who said, oh, well, COVID has kind of killed it and I'm not doing that <laughs> with people anymore, were more creative introverts and less prone to creativity. And I know that, I mean, certainly just speaking personally for myself, COVID pretty much just totally stopped everything because it, and it, you know, in researching this episode and kind of living through COVID, it was a huge revelation to me, like what a tremendous creative introvert I actually am. I find technological collaboration incredibly uncomfortable <laughs> and deeply not fulfilling. <laughs> but I work with a lot of people who love it and and thrive in it. And and they're like, you know, I, I kind of wish I'd always been able to do this. You know, if I could always just have my studio at home and Zoom everything, this would be great. And I'm like, oh, you know, and one of the, exp one of the phrases that they used in this um, uh, Frontiers in Psychology study uh, was bodily expression versus technological expression. And that really spoke to me because I felt like that was always the crippling blow of using technology uh, versus being in the same room. And that's whether it's a live stream concert and the audience isn't physically there or uh, recording via the internet and all of the players are separated and they're not standing in the room together. Um, that's a great example of, you know, yes, you're still doing a concert for however many people are watching online, but it's technological expression versus bodily expression. And um, anyway, I, I, I appreciated that, that they were able to put that into words because I was kind of like, oh, that's what I was looking for. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. And I think that it's impossible. It was impossible for me to start bouncing ideas on this topic around without looking at the pandemic, you know, as, as a factor in here. And, um, there's a, there's a developmental psychologist, uh, Kenneth Rubin at the university of Maryland, and he had broken down in the past, this idea that Isolation can be beneficial, but only if there are some preconditions that are met. And I found this interesting when I first started reading it, but then I started thinking about it, you know, through the lens of the pandemic. And there, there are several conditions, pre preconditions. One of them is that it has to be that isolation has to be voluntary. Oh, and wow. one has to be able to make the choice when desired to leave that and rejoin a group. Like it has to be something that's by choice. And yeah. another of the conditions was that that individual has to be able in that isolation to regulate their emotions. And, you know, that would include, you know, affecting their work ethic and things like that. And, and that it made a lot of sense because, you know, if, if you give, you give a, a young student an option to, you know, like work on their own or in the group, you know, a lot of fifth grade kids would say, yeah, I'd really rather just, you know, work from my computer at home, but are all of them fully capable of managing their emotions and work ethic and actually getting stuff done? Maybe not, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. it may be voluntary, so they might, you know, like that. But um, I, I thought about it, you know, in relation to the pandemic, because I think that that was a biggie for a lot of 
creative types where it, we, some of us love being able to disappear, rent a hotel room and go, you know, work on writing the book for two weeks on our own. But we always have the ability to come back and rejoin society whenever we want. Yeah. And I think that the pandemic was a situation that caused many people to be isolated uh, without it being voluntary. And then when that got old and stuff started getting dark, we weren't able to just run over to our friend's house and you know get out of that funk or anything. So I think that that is like a huge factor that made that isolation less, um, you know, less beneficial and more harmful. Um, and you know, again, you know, even the the regulating your emotions and work ethic and such, like some people are great in that situation, you yeah. know, like embrace the technology, they can set a schedule, get themselves up, you know, blah, blah, blah. And other people are like, whoa, without the external, you know, collaborative deadlines and things like that. I don't know how to do this. This is not yeah. my, my natural flow. And yeah, I think that that's a big reason why I had my own funks. You know, I, I, I kind of, teeter totter i'm kind of that ambivert you know who loves the, the introverted time <laughs> and loves the extroverted time and you know and i i love going out and playing shows but after we go out and play a couple of big shows i need to disappear for a little while and you know recharge on my own and the pandemic definitely created a situation where you were not able to get one side of that to keep yeah. yourself balanced you know, uh, it's, uh, this is a, a little bit of a tangent from that but it sort of sprouted off um one of the interesting things from that frontiers in psychology study too was that uh, so many um, improvisational musicians uh, found that working with other improvisational musicians through tech rather than being in the same room uh, dramatically improved their listening. That when they were in the same room improvising, they were more focused on their own kind of what am I going to do next and what am I doing and how is this working? But when they were working through technology, they were actively having to really listen uh, and and kind of take apart what they were hearing so that they knew that what they were putting in worked. So they were much better active listeners if they were doing it through, you know, Zoom or something uh, rather than in person. I thought, God, I would not have thought of that, but that's, it does make sense, you know, that it sort of forces you to have to actually really focus and listen and not just kind of be in the room feeling it, you know? Yeah. I guess that's an example of like a forced limitation, you know, yeah. all of a sudden certain where the factors the are taken out. Technology is uh, shoving you into that corner and saying, now you have to do it this way. Yeah. yeah you have to be creative now. That's really interesting. Well, I, I think that most of us probably veer one direction or another, you know, maybe, maybe some teeter right down the middle with the work they do, but some are more isolated and some are more collaborative. So maybe, maybe we could throw out some ideas about like how someone could pursue the opposite, opposite side if they, if they so chose, yeah. uh, you know, for sure. If you're, if you're looking to put in more isolated work and you're trying to do that at work, you could try, showing up an hour early before people are in the office and just have some time for you. I mean, for me, that, that kind of works as a musician. I tend to wake up early because no other musicians are awake yet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so I'm able to get, I'm able to get me work done before the texts and emails are coming in from most musicians yeah. I work with. And, and that, that is super, super useful uh, on the flip side. You know, maybe you, if you're a night owl, you carve out time 
at night to stay up a little later than the rest of the family does, you know, if it works with your schedule to get that time for yourself um, or just plan a getaway. I mean, we mentioned the, the little hotel trip, which we certainly know authors who are all about disappearing on their own to do some, yeah, do some isolated work like that. Yeah. I mean, there's, I, I think there's definitely lots of ways for people who want to explore, certainly currently uh, because of COVID there's a, countless ways for people to explore their more um, isolationist side of their creative self. Um, maybe the trickier part nowadays is really if you are working in isolation and you want to collaborate, it's a lot harder nowadays. Uh, I mean, it's getting easier, I guess, you know, with the mask mandates lifting and, and people are out and about moving and studios are opening and concerts are happening a little bit more and more. So some collaboration is becoming more possible. Um, and, you know, I think we touched on this at the very beginning of this episode, too. A lot of this really has to do with what it is that you're doing. You know, if you're writing a novel and you're not writing it with a co-author, uh, you're pretty well stuck working in isolation in your own way. You may find ways to collaborate by reading other people's books and being influenced. Um, you know, you may have an editor that you get to kind of run ideas by and they talk to you about it. Uh, you may be in a writer's group. Um, I don't know if you're a painter, same thing, sculptor, filmmaker, you've got, you can't make a movie without 300 people. So that's a, you, there's, there's no such thing as an isolated filmmaker, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. No, uh, you mentioning the writing group made me think about something I saw online a few weeks ago. I saw a couple versions of this. And I can't remember what each of them were called, but I remember one was called a frog busting session. You know, it's kind of that kind of that idea of, you know, first thing in the day, like eating the frog, you know, eating, oh. like doing that, that really hard task. But, but it was a collaborative thing via technology yeah. where, where, you know, maybe you just, maybe you benefit from being the person who is working around other people. I actually really love sometimes grabbing the laptop and going to hit a coffee shop and putting my earbuds in and using my little simply noise app that's just like creating some like oscillating brown noise you know to like you know kind of drown everything out around me but being around the hustle and bustle of people doing stuff kind of makes me sit and do work at the laptop sometimes yeah. and it's a little break from you know just the the home office all the time and this frog bust busting session was along those i that idea where multiple people could log on to zoom and even be muted but you're in an environment where a bunch of people are doing their thing. So maybe you are painting and someone else over there is working on their novel or, you know, someone else is just doing their job that they, you know, they're contracted to do. And little ideas like that could be a way to be not necessarily directly collaborating, but still being in an environment that encourages getting into some deep work. It's a little bit of both at the same time. almost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, like I was saying that I think um, sometimes it's just, Sometimes it's really important that you are the only critical voice, that you don't have anyone outside of you able to critique, um, you know, because honestly, even if they're not paying attention, you're probably thinking, oh, they hate this, you know, or, or, or whatever, because we all wrestle with that stupid little imp on our shoulder that's telling us what we're doing is bad, you know, and uh, so being in a, even a Zoom meeting where you know, there are other people who are kind of wrestling with that could be, could be terrible for you, or it could be really great. And you probably don't know until you try it. 
Yeah. I think that's probably a big takeaway is, you know, if you're, if you're at all curious, try the thing that you're not doing. And that could be, you know, getting into a group, finding a Facebook group that's, you know, NaNoWriMo, we bring up once in a while, you know, the National Novel Writing Month in November, they have little collaborative groups where people get together throughout the month and you're just sitting around other people writing. And if you've never done that, maybe try it. Maybe it doesn't work for you and then you know. Um, Or if you're always in a... Yeah, I think that's always... Give give it a a little bit. Don't just do it one time and say yes or no because you don't know. Yeah, I think that's smart. And then if you're always in a group, carve out some time to disappear on your own. And that I find also takes a little bit of time. You you can't expect yourself to sit down and in 20 minutes get right into deep work. Sometimes it takes, you know, you're practicing it for a while and all of a sudden two hours in, you hit your stride and you're in flow state and, you know, you you need a chunk of time to be on your own and get used to that. Um, Or this idea of intermittent collaboration, you know. Kind of, kind of our model, I guess, without even like intending it, just back and forth, you know, spending yeah. time on your own, but c- bouncing that off other people. I would definitely suggest uh, finding some sort of sustainable balance. And I think maybe if I were going to advise against anything in this episode, it would be um, I would advise against totally identifying yourself as a collaborative artist or an isolated artist, uh, because once you put yourself in that box, you're going to kind of fight against the impulse to do anything that's outside of that box. And, uh, I can almost guarantee that there is some place in the spectrum that is your happy, sustainable place where you are expressing yourself and it's fulfilling. Um, and you're either, totally collaborative or totally isolated, but the odds are not good that you're on the extreme end of what is basically a spectrum. Word. 